Hey guys, Jason Davis here. Uh, with everything that's going on out there in culture, in the school system, especially the public school system, right? And drag shows and everything in between, our kids are under attack daily. And that's why I wanted to tell you today about the Tuttle Twins books. Tuttle Twins is really, it's the only books uh, that I know of for kids that really help them develop critical thinking skills about real world concepts, economies, finance, government, freedom, liberty, the free market, how to be self-reliant and outside the system. Right now, we just all have to recognize the world's full of companies and people and politicians that want to expose and influence our kids and in ideas that we don't support. And so that includes school teachers, unfortunately. So Tuttle Twins empowers parents. I encourage you to check them out at TuttleTwins.com or if you go to my website at DontTreadOnLiberty.com and go to Freedom Partners under Tuttle Twins, there is a special offer for you. So DontTreadOnLiberty.com under Freedom Partners. Check out the Tuttle Twins and we do have a special offer for you. Well, let's get back to the show. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless. Fighting back against the left's nonstop attacks on liberty, freedom, and America. America. This is Don't Tread on Liberty. Jason Davis is on the air. Hey, welcome back to Don't Tread on Liberty. Thanks for being here. This is Jason Davis, and we've been hearing a lot lately about racism in America and equity, which is not equality, by the way. So today I want to have a conversation with someone that might know a little something about all of this. Uh, he's a graduate of Hope College, where he received his degree in business and political science. He's also a graduate of the Heritage Foundation's Academy Fellowship, and he's the co-founder of the Providence Network Foundation. This guy has two books coming out. I mean, I, I can't even keep up. Burjan Crispin is with us. How are you? Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Jason. Really appreciate it. I am doing well. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for being here. So, you know, um, we're hearing more than ever lately from the left and, and college campuses and universities and so forth that America is inherently racist and unfair and, you know, the so-called white privilege is uh, systemic and all of that. So I obviously read your background and you seem like a pretty successful guy. So, I'm really interested in your experience. Can you tell us about uh, your childhood, your journey coming to the U.S. and what your experience has been like coming into society here in the United States? Sure. I mean, well, Jason, first and foremost, uh, you know, all the success goes to my parents on support uh, that I've had poured into me uh, throughout my uh, short lived life here so far. And all credit uh, goes to uh, my personal savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's most important, first of all. But, you know, as we'll go into uh, my story here, just for your listeners, um, I was born overseas in Bulgaria. Um, a lot of people have to look that up on a map, but it is Eastern Europe. They were struggling to rise out of a post-Soviet Union reign. Um, and then the orphanage that I was in, uh, Jason, just to tell you the truth, uh, wasn't a great situation. So you had about one caretaker per about 15 kids. And uh, I'm not the greatest at math. I still hold the record for the lowest score ever on my math final in high school. But those ads, those those odds don't add up for me, and um, they don't for those kids there uh, as well. So Jason, I mean, those kids were uh, abused, malnourished, uh, just neglected, um, not out of malintent, but just out of 
you know, just that there, there just weren't enough resources. And I think that's something that Americans today take for granted is the amount of resources that we have uh, today in our country at our disposal. Uh, so I was adopted when I was two years old, came to Wheaton, Illinois, suburban Chicago, grew up in a Christian conservative home. Another one of those things that people take for granted, you know, they say, oh, I just grew up in a Christian home or I grew up in a conservative home. Like that is a blessing that a lot of people don't have. So I would, you know, challenge your listeners to like, I would challenge your listeners to pause, take stock of their life, to uh, see the blessings that they have and to uh, not take them for granted. So I grew up in a Christian conservative home, went through the whole public school system, went to a uh, private college that marketed themselves as being a Christian school. But in all reality, uh, Jason, as you touched on earlier on uh, in your intro that, you know, it's, it's not really a Christian school and there's issues with theology, there's issues with uh, political discourse and wanting to be part of that mainstream culture instead of saying, this is what we're going to take a stand for and this is how we're going to be different. Um, and it was heartbreaking, to be honest. Uh, the college that I left is not the college that I went into uh, and now here we are. I spent some time at the Heritage Foundation uh, writing these books. Uh, and now here I am talking to you. And it's been a journey. It's been a journey I would do all over again. Um, I'm incredibly thankful for. So, you know, as an orphan, you get adopted. You come to the United States. Um, like you said, you you were blessed with a, a good, solid Christian family. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's a blessing that everybody should be thankful for. Um, but you're coming from a situation that most people would say is, is probably not good, uh, like a good outlook for your future, right? And here you are, graduated from Hope College, been with the Heritage Foundation, founded your own foundation, you're writing two books. So what do you say to people when they say that America is inherently, uh, you know, racist or um, you know, white privilege prevents anyone other than white people from getting ahead. Sure. And that's a great question that has been posed over the last two decades or so. And Jason, here's what I would encourage your listeners to do. Whenever someone confronts them and says, is America a racist country? Or I feel like it is, uh, or uh, there, there's systemic, you know, white privilege and institutional racism. I would encourage your listeners to, to ask the question, point me to an example. What piece of legislation, what system currently in America is inherently racist? What law provides privileges to white people that doesn't provide to African-Americans or people of other ethnic descents? The bottom line is the left likes to talk in terms of feelings. The left likes to talk in terms of things aren't fair. Uh, but actually, if you look at the facts and you look at the logic, there's a reason why Ben Shapiro's line, facts don't care about your feelings, is so prevalent and so common. And so and it just cuts to the core of the left's argument is because it does exactly that. You need to focus on the facts. What do the facts say? What does the logic say? Where are the statistics? And then build your case from that. But the left doesn't want to do that. The left just wants to play with your emotions. And the left wants you to be part of something bigger than themselves because it's a, it's a problem of misplaced identity and misappropriated identity. So Jason, if your listeners would just take stock of where they are in life, take stock of these issues and say, what do the facts say? What do the statistics say? I find or I feel that the conversations that we'd be having uh, would be inherently different. Okay. Now, during your time at Hope College, or even when you went to community college, did you experience any 
left-wing bias or discrimination against you for your conservative values. Um, I did. And, and, and it's unfortunate. I have nothing but respect for my school. Um, great people, but we disagreed. And, and, and conservatives on campus felt that pretty heavily. Uh, for example, uh, the conservative group, Hope College Republicans, were not allowed to meet on campus, uh, but the Hope College Democrats were. Uh, they received about $2,000 more per semester in funding than the Hope College Republicans. Uh, these are just a few of the examples. Uh, uh, Vice President Pence came to campus uh, for a rally. He was turned down. And just a few short weeks later, the, the school put on and sanctioned a Black Lives Matter rally where the president spoke at this rally and marched with students in the names of institutional racism. And it's things like that where if you were conservative, you didn't even want to say you were conservative in the classroom, uh, in chapel, on the athletic field, whatever it was, Jason, you felt like you couldn't make your voice heard because of the retribution, whether it be in the grading system or just societally as well. College is this really fragile place in time where we're figuring out who we are, we're figuring out our social groups and who we want to be with. And if we're scared to say what our true values are because of what people say, that's a problem. And that's something I definitely experienced. And, and uh, I'm not alone. There's a lot of other students that, um, that felt that way as well. Yeah, this has been going on for probably 20, 30 years, maybe even longer. Um, today, they call it cancel culture, but it's been around for a while. So b- being a graduate of the Heritage Foundation uh, Fellowship Program, and clearly being very well versed on political and social issues, what do you see as the most important issues conservatives need to confront right now? So first and foremost, it would be for me, and I think for conservatives in general, is the right to life. Uh, Being pro-life, I think is one of the most important, if not the most important conservative policy right now, as well as the freedom of speech and the freedom to practice your religion without fear of retribution. If we look at the COVID relief bill, HR1 and the Equality Act, these things had a lot of provisions and and legislative kind of backdoor uh, loopholes to uh, root out some of those things that the Democrats want to cancel. Um, That is a very dangerous, precarious place to be. Uh, That's why I'm incredibly hopeful and yet concerned for the 2022 midterms, hoping that Republicans and conservatives step up, take a stand for what's right, and win back those seats to put a, to put a halt to those dangerous, very dangerous legislative issues. So the right to life, free speech, and freedom of religion, I think, are the three most pressing issues for conservatives right now. Okay. I mean, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, those are very important issues. I agree that, uh, you know, we need somebody to step up and stop uh, the, the incursion on those principles. I probably disagree a little bit with the fact that the Republicans are going to be able to do anything about it. Um, Just to be frank with you, I mean, every time the Republicans have ever had control or power, they've done nothing with it and they haven't stood up for the principles that they supposedly stand for. So I'm, you know, pretty much on the side now that we need to get a lot of these so-called Republicans out of office and replace them with people that are actually constitutionalists. Um, well, your Jason, your thoughts, ahead. your thoughts. Well, uh, Jason, I was, I was going to say that um, if we actually look at the past four years under the Trump administration, uh, President Trump and uh, the GOP have been uh, the most pro-life administration that we've had in our nation's history. 
they have done the most for the Black and African-American community as far as uh, highest wages, lowest unemployment, funding towards historically Black colleges and universities, uh, these things as well, um, making sure that we have the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion. So uh, the past administration actually has done uh, the most good for these conservative principles that we've seen in a really, really long time, probably going back to the Reagan administration. Now, do we need to address some of the issues with the older establishment GOP? Absolutely. Should we be focusing on younger conservatives uh, like a Madison Cawthorn um, or uh, Ben Sass or uh, Josh Hawley, um, even more established like Jim Jordan? These are the kind of guys that the, that the GOP should be looking to um, to build that new foundation of the GOP. And so while there are some concerns, I think there's reason to be thankful for the past four years. And I think there's also reason to be optimistic moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you're right about the last four years, but that's all because of President Trump. Um, the guys that have been up there haven't done anything. And, you know, it took President Trump, who is not an establishment guy. I mean, he's an outsider. So all I'm saying is, and I think you make a good point, um, some of the people you mentioned, Jim Jordan and others, I like Rand Paul, but, um, you know, we, they should be focusing on these types of people and they're just not. Okay. So you have not one, but two book projects coming out. Your first book, Providence, the radical nature of adoption and a call to serve. And another book, Woke Christianity, how the church failed America in its darkest hour of need. So. I'm sure with your personal experience, um, your first book is very near and dear to your heart. Can you give us just a brief overview of what's the main message you're trying to get across in that book? Sure. So, I mean, Jason, you're absolutely right in the fact that it is near and dear to my heart. Um, we just break apart the title here really quickly. Uh, Providence, um, as defined by Webster's Dictionary, uh, Providence is the radical supernatural caretaking power of God. And I think there's no better word than providence or providential uh, to describe my life. Um, I statistically should not be here, uh, but I am. And it is providentially that I'm here. And then the radical nature of adoption, adoption in and of itself is a radical idea. It is a radical uh, disposition uh, to be cast away and to have this chance to be reborn or your identity to be renewed uh, with a different family because of life circumstances. And then it's a call to serve, right? But because of who we are now, this newfound identity, this second chance at life, it allows us to freely serve uh, other people. And so I just want to get the point across. I'm going to be very uh, vulnerable in my book and go through some of the struggles that I had. Um, and so maybe, you know, your listeners could assimilate with is uh, life is tough. Life is frustrating. Um, but when the circumstances seem like they're not going your way, there is a larger, grander plan working behind the scenes. Um, and because of that, we can have hope in the future and the hope for what is to come. So providential, the radical caretaking power of God in my life and in people's lives as well. And because of that, then we're called to freely serve other people. So radical, so providence, the radical nature of adoption and a call to serve is my life story. And I don't think I've been called to live a comfortable lifestyle. I think people in the United States need to kind of reorient their priorities and radically serve other people because of what we have. Um, and that is the main essence of the book. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to share that message with a lot of people. Amen. When is your book coming out? The book will be out sometime this fall. 
Okay. Well, let us know about that for sure. And we'll, we'll put out the information about it. Now, your second book jumped out at me um, as well, because this is something that we've talked about on this program several times. Um, and I have my own thoughts about this, obviously. But from your perspective, what is woke Christianity and why should people care? I think woke Christianity, we talk about people being woke, culture being woke to these new ideas, these new progressive ideas. And I think it is a direct uh, disagreement or direct um, distinction between wokeness and Christianity. In today's day and age, people think these two are completely separate. You have what the church says, and then you have what woke culture says. Uh, But in reality, after studying uh, several cases of churches, uh, most notably the Reverend Warnock, who was just sworn in as a senator in the Georgia runoffs, um, his church in particular, spreading ideas that are anti-biblical, that are antithetical to scripture. Um, and to be honest with you, Jason, uh, ideas that are considered woke when it comes to traditional standards of marriage between a man and a woman, um, and things like socialism being better than capitalism as a better function way of economy, and that's how God wants it, and just Honestly, that's just not true. And so uh, it is a very dangerous place to be in, uh, Jason, if we're being honest, um, you know, with your listeners to be hearing these words from these preachers who call themselves Christians when in reality they're not. And they're presiding over ideas that are dangerous to the church, this idea that is lukewarm Christianity um, and it's pervading the church and it's just causing a lot of problems. So I wanted to address that in my book, Woke Christianity, How the Church Failed America its darkest hour of need. I think 2020 has been one of the, if not the darkest hour in American history. Um, and the church needs to step up and the church needs to take a stand for what's right instead of folding into uh, the culture and wanting to be a part of it. We're called to be outside of culture, loving, but outside of culture. And that is something I believe the church as a whole in America has failed to do. Bingo. It's even worse than, you know, Reverend Warnock or the Jeremiah Wrights of the world. Um, mainstream Christian churches all over are, are doing this, this kind of social justice type of preaching. And um, it's not good. You know, I left my church because of it. Um, you know, there's some out there, Pastor John MacArthur and others, but uh, it's, it's fewer and fewer that actually speak the truth. I'm so happy that you're on top of this. Thank you very much for that. Well, I have a great team behind me, so it's nothing in my own doing. Last question. You've been very busy, and you obviously have accomplished quite a bit. And for some reason, I get the feeling you're just getting started. Um, So what is next for you? What is coming down the road in your life? Well, Jason, yeah, I'd be naive to uh, say what's going to come next, because honestly, I don't know. What does that uh, scripture say? There's you know, we shouldn't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. But uh, down the road, uh, I'm looking at getting my law degree, continuing on with my foundation, the Providence Networks Foundation. You can find more information at ProvidenceNetworks.org. Our tagline is globally serving at-risk youth through giving, reconciliation, and service. It's not just giving of our time, but also giving of our resources and reconciling people groups to people groups and ultimately people to God as well. There's this vertical connection in order to have this horizontal impact. And so that's what we're all about at Providence. Again, you can go to providencenetworks.org. We're always looking for partners, always looking for donors. Um, so I'll be working on the foundation, be working on getting my law degree. Uh, and Lord willing, uh, I'll be hopefully being able to get a chance to uh, clerk and then serve on the federal bench uh, here in Chicago uh, would be the dream. 
but then again, you never know what God has planned. And uh, those are the next steps for me. Bergeon, you give me hope. Um, America's in real trouble. And to see someone like you doing all that you're doing at, at your age, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I know you're a lot younger than I am. And having the broad knowledge that you do about the truth and about what really matters, it just gives me a lot of hope. Thank you for being here. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you. Bergeon Crispin, thank you. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Don't Tread on Liberty with Jason Davis. Subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or your favorite platform. For more Liberty news, check out www.donttreadonliberty.com and subscribe to the blog or join the conversation. 